I'm delighted to be uh, joined today for this uh, ski podcast special by uh, Jasmine Taylor. Now, I know there are lots of fans of the uh, the podcast, very keen on uh, skiing, so probably uh, you all know Jasmine already, but I'm going to give you a little bit of a, an intro, Jasmine. I think it's um, entirely accurate to describe you as Britain's most successful and most decorated alpine skier of all time. Would you, how, how does that sit with you? Oh, honestly, it doesn't sit that well, just because, um... I mean, it's it's nice to hear that, and um, yeah, I have the I guess this this British record for the World Cup podiums, but I just think there's so many successful British skiers and snowboarders that um, you know we're all facing our own unique challenge, and I I never feel that comfortable with it, but at the same time I half appreciate it, so it's difficult. But um, yeah, Tony Mark's not as up there, shall we say, it's the likes of Alpine or, I don't know, freestyle. Well, you know, it, it, I, I appreciate it's hard when you're sort of talking about yourself. But um, I think that we have to, um, you know, give you credit where credit's due. Because um, so many uh, of, oh, so many amazing results. And in fact, I'm going to make an attempt to uh, bring them up on the uh, screen here. Um, hopefully... Can you can you see that just now? Okay. Yes. Five World Cup victories, two World Cup championship medals, six times British champion, thirty-two World Cup uh, podiums. That is um, pretty impressive and pretty uh, incredible. But uh, if it's okay, I'd like to just take you back a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. You mentioned just now uh, to me that you are in um, Ipswich. Mm-hmm. Uh, just now and that's where you where you grew up right yeah I grew up just in the next town along so in Colchester but moved to Ipswich my parents moved here when I was 18 so I spend my summers now generally I'm in Ipswich and uh yeah getting fit. okay and so where do you you know famously East Anglia is pretty flat where do you learn to ski if you uh if you come from Colchester Ipswich area I actually learned to ski at the Ipswich dry ski slope just up the road. Um, I had a project in primary school my my last year and we had to do a speech on mountains. My parents saw the effort I'd gone to with this project um, and decided it'd be quite a cool place to go on holiday. So because we were going there on holiday, my dad said, oh, we should make it worthwhile and get some ski lessons at the local slope. So I just I just got hooked as a ten year old. I was just absolutely hooked, and I loved it. That's great. How long is the slope at Ipswich? I actually don't know exactly. I'd say one hundred and fifty meters. Oh, okay. Not not uh, you know a reasonable uh, distance. And then I'm guessing at some point then you got into into racing because I think uh, you know before you moved on to Telemark, you were part of the uh, the Alpine squad. I wasn't on the British. T- I was actually, well, the the full story would be I, I started racing on the dry ski slope. So I went from the regional to the national circuit. Um, and at some point I did a dry slope ski camp with the British Ski Academy. And uh, the director of the academy, Malcolm Askin, he said, hey, you come do some training with us on snow. And um, from there, I just... 
I went away and, and I did some alpine training, but it was about age 13, 14 when I started really training on snow. And a couple of years later, I tried ski cross. I was on the England team in ski cross, but um, not in alpine. And then after a season or so of doing that, I switched to telemark. So Okay. In fact, we had, um, I had Emily Sarsfield on the last episode of the podcast, episode 59. And she told me that she was involved with coaching you uh, uh, back in the day at some point. She was a coach at the British Ski Academy. Yeah, I remember being very um, in awe of her, very impressed because she turned up. I, I can't remember it ever so well. I was quite, I was quite young at that point, I think. But um, yeah, I skied with her, I think probably for a week or two. I can't remember, honestly, but um, yeah, I, I remember. Well, she, she said to me that you were uh, very uh, determined, uh, but at some point you obviously decided to make that switch from ski across from alpine to to telemark what what prompted that how did you how did you even try telemarking well back at the british ski academy um malcolm was running a trial week in telemark uh, so everybody at the academy either had a morning or an afternoon doing right. telemark with this random french guy called seb and uh i went one afternoon and i thought oh, this is actually really interesting I was good enough but I didn't quite grasp it and I wanted to just get my head around it a little bit more so I asked Malcolm actually I probably pestered Malcolm please can I go back for another session so Malcolm let me go back and I was kind of probing Seb with a few questions trying to really understand it um and I thought, I really like this. This is really fun. But it's not just telemark. At the British Ski Academy, we tried ski jumping. We tried cross-country skiing, big air, ski cross. So um, they're really good at getting you to try all sorts of different types of skiing, which I think is really important because skiing is really yeah. fun. So. I, I, absolutely. But also when you're dealing with uh, young talent, I think um... – use i'm aware a bit of this with uh, with cricket they try not to get people to specialize too young because if you have you know an ability you don't want to be tying someone down as like a bowler or a batsman or wicketkeeper at an early age you want them to try everything and so mm-hmm. and that, that the seb who gave you that session you know back then is that the seb who's still your coach now that is the same seb yeah right so from there from this uh telemark taste a day I I actually went on eBay and I bought some equipment and I took myself well my dad actually at the time I think I was about 17 so I wasn't driving at this point but um, my dad would take me each week to Hemel and we'd meet the Hemel Telemark Club and this was actually set up by a guy called Cameron Fisher so every week I would go and ski with these guys and I'd just try and really master the technique skiing with a big lunge um but really having a proper telemark style and after the summer of doing this um i returned to lazouche where i met seb and i said please can i have a lesson and it was actually really difficult to track him down which i later realized he was actually just really avoiding that lesson because the secretary's ski school was saying as an english girl here she's in a cat suit uh <laughs> wants to do uh, a telemark lesson 
And he's like, I'm fully booked. I'm thinking, wow, April, whenever it was, fully booked. There's nobody here. How can he be fully booked? No, he was just avoiding me. But I finally did, again, pester him probably. And uh, I got the lesson. And I'd done some research on the competitive side of the sport. And I said to him on a chairlift, um, I need you to help me. I want to be world champion. And I, and I really meant it. And I can't actually imagine, like, as a 17, you know, my version of me at 17, I thought, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go for it. Like, what have I got to lose? Let's just do this. And he's been helping me ever since. And not only that, he's now actually the British team coach. And at the time, he was the French team coach. So Right. Yeah, that's that. I mean, that's great. So um, that makes me think of a, a number of things. When when did he uh, move over to Team GB? Because Team GB have uh, had a great policy of recruitment over recent years. And I think that if I'm right in saying I can't recall the name now, but the skier cross coach for Team GB used to be the French team coach as well, I think. Yes, actually, he's a friend of Seb's. Right. Um, How long ago was it that Seb moved over? He's actually not employed by GB Snowsport. That's that's the because we're not Olympic. I'm sure we'll get right. Yeah, because we're not Olympic. um, They don't employ Seb. We actually have private sponsorship, but um, it goes to the so private team sponsorship, if you like, because we don't get UK sport funding, which is you know it's nothing personal. It just it is what it is because we're not Olympic. So um, he's not employed as such but I guess Seb started coaching me and then the team about five years ago now I reckon I don't okay. know but yeah yeah and and um maybe this might be a useful point I mean I'm assuming that uh, perhaps everyone listening to this podcast knows what telemarking is but how would you how do you describe what telemarking is to uh, to someone who's maybe never heard of it before? So somebody that's never heard of it, I'll say, okay, you know what skiing is, right? And then I'll say, so normally you kind of squat side to side with skiing. With telemark, it's a lunge. So uh, that's how I describe it. We have a free. Yeah, and uh, I think normally um, people would say, uh, or uh, one of the expressions is, uh, less heel, more soul, right? I haven't heard that one, actually. Oh, I haven't heard right, okay. But yeah, you know, you're, you're not, the actual boot isn't attached at the heel, it's only attached at the toe, which allows you to go into that lunge when you're making your turns. And, mm-hmm. you know, physically, it's extremely demanding, right? Yeah, I'd say it's more of a workout at, the recreational level but when you the competition it's just as exhausting as alpine it's just different um but it's no more difficult or no less difficult it's just just different yeah as a holiday uh skier it makes a blue run a whole new world it's (laughs) yeah yeah and and you mentioned racing there just to my understanding is there's different categories of racing you have the kind of sprint and the classic and maybe some of these involve jumps and things as well could you can I elaborate on that yeah of course so in all telemark racing disciplines you have the giant slalom uh you have the jump you have a bank turn so it's a 360 you must cross your own path 
and then a cross-country skating section. Then you have three disciplines. So we have a classic, which is one run, and it's a time trial, but it's super long. It can be 60 gates. I mean, it's crazy. Maybe this is more exhausting than any other type of skiing competition I've done. But you have the classic, then you have a sprint, which is two time trials, combined time. That's like mine, I think. Um, and then we have a head-to-head. So you'll have a qualification race and then you'll, you'll race 1, 16, 2, 15, so on. And what, what what would you say? I mean, I know you've picked up results all over the place, but is there a, a better discipline of those three for you? No, there isn't. People have that, but I don't. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. Yeah. How long How long would a classic uh, course take from top to bottom? The shorter ones you can do in one minute 50, and the longer ones can be... Two minutes, 53 minutes. So that's that's you're really on the limit of um, collapsing at the end. It's I'm sure I'm sure you are. I saw I'm going to put a, a, a photo up there. I mean, see, it's absolutely completely different from other skiing with all of those features that you're talking about uh, in there. So this is a photo that I think I saw on the Snowsport GB uh, site. So this is you at a course inspection um, somewhere or other in uh, Austria, I think. And so this is one of the the, the drop-offs, the jumps that's in the middle of the course, right? Yeah, so a, there are a few quirks in telemark ski racing. And, and the first one I guess we've got to here is the jump. So it's like ski jumping in that there's no kick on the jump. Um, if you want to jump, you have to jump. So it's just a flat tabletop and then it will just, you know, you'll just basically follow the, the curve of the slope. So you, you never go very high, but you go long and low, just like ski jumping. Um, so we have to adopt a very similar technique. It's not, it doesn't look that similar, but it, the dynamics of it are quite similar to ski jumping. Um, Given that you're wearing skis where only your, uh, your the front of the boot is attached and the heel isn't, I imagine that on these type of jumps you get quite a few wipeouts because it must be very hard to control your skis when you're going through the air. Actually, you don't because um, it's easier. You know, with a telemark binding, if you want to telemark, you have to make it telemark. So it's not like, imagine you're sat on the chairlift. Your skis won't just hang. Okay. There's a lot of springs under your feet. Right. When you when you lunge, it's an active thing. Yeah. So when you I, jump, you have to, you jump, but they all stay, they all look like alpine skis in the air. And then when you land, you have to land in the telemark position. But the jump is really important because... There's a clearance line, and if you don't clear a certain distance, you'll have um, time penalties added. And if you don't land telemark, you get further penalties. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and the same can be said for uh, the giant slalom. You have to you have to be in telemark, and it can't be static either. So it has to be a fluid movement from gate to gate. Telemark skiing is like triathlon, winter sport 
plus you have the time and the judging element. So it's a real combination of so many things. Yeah, so there's, there's, there's um, aesthetics to it as well as being against the clock. Is is that what we're saying? Yes. Essentially, if you stumble, if you trip, if you crash, if uh, you simply ski a gate in Alpine or you have a very static movement, you'd get a one second penalty for that. Wow, gosh. And on top of which, you've got yeah. to uh, do jumps, slalom, bank turns, and there's an uphill section in each course as well. Yeah, so you'll have, generally, you'll have giant slalom, jump, more giant slalom. So you have to land and then carry on skiing. Then it leads you into this giant bank turn. So you have you have a yellow flag where you go into an alpine stance, you take the bank turn, and then you skate. You usually have a few flags to dance around before you get to the finish. So a lot of stepping. We have to be very good at stepping in Telemark. So real yeah. powerful movements to get around the corners quick. It, I mean, it sounds like, so it's obviously a very technical uh, sport anyway, but that fitness, you've got to kind of cover all sorts of different areas with that. And I believe you're about to go out to, you're based in Chamonix in the winter. You're about to go out to Chamonix later this week. How will mm-hmm. your... And then maybe Austria, I think. But um, how does the training work? Because you must be looking at endurance as well as the technical side of things, as well as explosive power as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. There's a lot to do because we also need to be so well balanced on the skis. Um, I do do all sorts of things like running, cycling, uh, slacklining. I lift weights hill sprints, roller skiing. I do a lot of roller skiing. Okay. I I get some fun looks in Ipswich as well. (laughs) People look and look again, but um, roller skating, all sorts of things. My boyfriend can do that. Yeah, I do. And and you have a team. You mentioned Seb is your coach. You've also got a, a physio, strength and conditioning coach, a psychologist as well. With those guys, presumably they're not normally kind of based with you on the road. Um, you're contacting no. them remotely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Seb is with me all winter and I come back to Ipswich and I have uh, actually normally I even get strength and conditioning remotely because my strength coach lives in the Middle East. He is British, but he moved out there for work. He's been about this summer with everything that's been going on, but um my psychologist too he's greek but he lives here so he's based at the university of suffolk where i just finished studying okay Um, and my physio so i mean if i take it back to the beginning seb told me you need to see a physio you need to reset yourself after each winter and make sure muscles are balanced and this kind of thing so i looked up alistair alistair jones he's my my physiotherapist right and I then added on the strength coach because I realized okay I need somebody to help me with fitness training here because like you said there's a lot to deal with Uh, to be strong enough you need to be able to recover you need to be powerful um need to be able to give 100% for one minute but also three minutes which is two quite different things absolutely yeah 
Yeah, it doesn't sound like it is, but it actually it really does make a difference. Um, and then my psychologist, so they've all they've all played a huge part, and I think it's um, it's important to have good backroom staff if you like you need that support network that if you have an issue you know you have an opinion to go to that you really trust and actually that that person cares for you as a human being as well that makes a big difference in my opinion i'm sure i'm sure it does and you said that all of this is funded through private sponsorship because you're not qualifying for so how, how you, you know, this is a good opportunity for you to mention who your sponsors are, if you'd like to do that. I mean, who is helping fund you through all of this? Okay, I mean, again, I've just been so lucky. It's just been in the right place at the right time. Uh, my Actually, my first sponsor is TDS Safeguard. It's destroyed.com. So I wear that across my helmet. And uh, Tim, the guy who owns and runs that company, he was a gate judge the British Championships right approached me and said why are you not wearing the British jacket if you're on the British team I said well at the time we weren't sponsored we, we had to pay for our jackets and I said oh, well I actually haven't got the cash at the moment to buy the uh the clothing he said I'll, I'll buy a jacket I'll I'll sponsor you a jacket and me being a bit cheeky, I said to him, well, actually, if you're going to give me the money, I'm not going to buy a jacket. I'll actually pay Seb. I owed Seb money for coaching. I said, wow, oh. okay. So he said, all right, fine, do what you want. And he gave, he gave me the money. So this is weird, firstly, as a you know, an 18-year-old woman in this position, you think, wow, is this person really being kind? Is this actually happening? And it did. He he really he, he gave me the, the cash, which allowed me to keep going. And into that season, I managed to get a bronze medal at the World Junior Championships. And I called him, and I said, "Thanks very much." He didn't seem too bothered either way. I thought, "Oh well," I said, "Thank you," and you know that's that's what you should do if somebody's giving you a lot of money like that and um the next day i checked my bank account and he'd sponsored me again and he sponsors he's yeah he sponsored me ever since so people like him that actually um, it's not as professional as it maybe should be but at the same time you cannot discredit the kindness behind that and i hope off the back of it he's had some good promotion but well, I've just put um, I've just put their logo onto the uh, screen just now, uh, and we'll include a link in the uh, in the show notes as well, um, which uh, hopefully will will help 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 you out. Um, that's pretty amazing. So you're heading out, you know, to the Alps uh, just now, and you're going to be training for this winter. You mentioned before about the Olympics. Um, probably you know well we need to bring that up because you know you're not getting uh, the money from snow sport gb from snow sport uh, england uh, um etc and that's because it's not an olympic sport now i know there was discussion um a couple of years ago as to whether or not to make telemark i think it was going to be considered for beijing 2022 yeah, yeah and uh 
that must have been equally incredibly exciting and then incredibly disappointing because my understanding is they voted not to include it. It it was both because um, the sport actually got through to the last stage and that's the first it's ever got. Um, So that was a huge positive. It means that if we reapply, we're quite likely to just get bypassed to that point. So that's already a huge positive. Um, but makes sense, yeah, you think, oh, could have been at the Olympic Games, but it's just not meant to be. It yeah. seems surprising to me in a, uh, in a certain way because um, – from what you're, how you're explaining it, you know, evidently it's a very, you know, visually quite entertaining, you know, with jumps and uphill sections and slalom, you would have thought it would look great on TV. Oh, it does. It looks really good on TV. It's And it's a really good spectator sport because there's so much to watch. And, you know, if, if you like telemark, you can watch the skiing section, but also skating, jumping. Uh, there's a lot. There's a lot. To... So, do, so, do you think will it come round again? I, I have twenty twenty six. Is it in Italy? The Winter Olympics for twenty twenty six. Yeah, I believe so. Honestly, do, do you... I don't have any plans at the moment? But I yeah. never, never say never. You, you, you never know. Well, with the level of um, success that you've had, we can uh, hopefully expect that to continue. And what what is happening with racing for this winter then, in our current current uh, world? I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, right. Um, a lot of people have been asking that, and I just have to say I don't know because I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I can say the the goal, at least, the aim is to yes. compete as far as I'm concerned. So I'm still preparing as normal. And yeah. if it's not put to good use this winter, I hope it will be at some point. So, um that's my approach to it. Okay. Well, I, I, I met um, Dave Riding out in the summer who was training in the Sasfe Glacier, who is of a kind of similar idea. I think he felt that races would probably go ahead, but mm. no one knows and you just have to deal with what you can deal with. I think we're all in that situation to a certain degree. When, when are the next um, World Championships scheduled? For Telemark, it's actually... This season, this season coming, we have World right. Championships in Muren, Switzerland. So, uh, okay, they're in February, March. Feb- March, are they? March, okay, because yeah. I think the, fo- the photo we have up there at the moment is of one of your, you have two World Championship medals, I believe. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, remind me where they were from. So, my first, they're both bronze medals. So, the first. Yep. Uh, it was in the sprint event, and that was in Steamboat Springs in Colorado. Yeah. Um, and the second, sorry, I've just taken my mind back to that moment. That was kind of crazy. But, uh, I bet it was. Yeah. And then the second one was uh, in La Plan in France. So that was in a classic. That was... So La Plan was in 2017, and Steamboat Springs was, what year was that one? 2015, I think. Right, yeah, 2015. Okay, well, you know, I 
sincerely hope that the World Championships uh, schedule for Murren in March uh, go ahead. And um, I've really enjoyed talking to you and finding out a huge amount more about telemarking. I have tried it um, a couple of times, but I found it extremely difficult. Um, but I like the, the sound of the racing and it makes me think, you know, I need to I need to um, organize myself to watch some of the racing because uh, visually it's clearly uh, really entertaining. Um, so good luck in your journey to France and then Austria. And, uh, you know, we wish you all the best, more podiums and uh, hopefully another uh, World Championship medal if you can if you can uh, do that as well. Um, already you've got more than anyone else, I think. So uh, you can continue your run as the most decorated British Alpine skier of all time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, no worries. It's been really good uh, speaking to you. So thanks very much, Jasmine. Thank you. Bye. Hi there, listener. Ian here. I just wanted to let you know that you can now support the ski podcast at buymeacoffee.com. Researching, recording, editing and publishing the pod takes up a lot of my time. And don't get me wrong, I really enjoy it. You know, I love talking with people about skiing. But if you do enjoy listening to the podcast and you'd like to support us, then you can literally buy me a coffee or in my case it would be a cup of tea, but the idea is the same. So just go to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the ski podcast. Thanks very much.